You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Well, I want to welcome you to Citrus Church, and uh, we're glad to have you here this morning. If you're, you're here for the first time, my name is Brian. I serve as the pastor of Citrus Church, and uh, we're really glad to have you this morning. And I want to congratulate those who also who ran the 5K this morning. Raise your hand if you ran the 5K. Good job, good job. So, yeah, congratulations. Uh, we also had, if I'm not mistaken, three medal winners kind of from our church community, uh, which I think is pretty amazing. I, I dressed down for Sweaty Sunday, but, but I didn't run the race. I just, I just sweated watching everybody run it. Um, but glad you're here with us today. Uh, we've been doing a couple things over the last couple of weeks, and we've been, in particular, looking at the Old Testament together. Um, and so we've been, we've been calling this kind of a retro vibe and, and kind of looking back at the Old Testament uh, not so much because we think the, out te- the Old Testament is outdated or irrelevant, but more because what the sense has been is that our view of the Old Testament or perhaps the view of some Christians of the Old Testament is that it's too confusing, it's hard to understand, I'm not sure what to make of it. I like the Bible stories from Sunday school, but otherwise I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. Uh, so we've been looking at it with the eye of trying to understand how the Old Testament spoke in its original time and how it can continue to speak to us today. Uh, so hopefully you've seen how uh, this, th- these two-thirds of our scripture are meaningful, are relevant, are impactful. And so hopefully if, if you've been following along over the last couple of weeks, or, or if you haven't, uh, I, I wanted to celebrate all that we've been learning together uh, this morning Uh, with something that I know every one of us will enjoy, a pop quiz. Uh, So congratulations, we're going to take a pop quiz on some of the things we've been learning. I had a professor who called these celebrations of learning, which was just wrong. Uh, So what I would like to do is to give you a series of verses, uh, and if you want to write them down, you can write on your orange card. Uh, You're not going to have to like pass these in, and I'm not going to grade them, okay? Uh, But what I want you to do is to decide for yourself, are these Old Testament or New Testament? Don't tell the person next to you. I'll give you the answers at the end, okay? We ready for this? All the teachers are like excited because I'm excited to give the teachers a a quiz. All right, first one. Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but later he glorified the way of the sea the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nation. So in your head, don't tell your neighbor, Old Testament or New Testament. Got it? Okay, next one. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. Old Testament, New Testament. You guys ready for more? Yes. You didn't say yes, but I said it for you. Third one. You have made the nations great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. Old Testament, New Testament. All right, you guys following along? Okay. Number four, as on the day of Midian, you shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned fuel for the fire. Old Testament, New Testament. That one might give itself away, right? All right, you guys with me? We've got two more, okay? Then the quiz is over. We can all relax. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. An authority will be on his shoulders. 
He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. All right, and your last one for your quiz. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom. Establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever, the zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. All right, everybody have their answers? All right, we're going to take it back to the top here. All right, so number one, Old Testament, raise your hand. Anybody think New Testament? All right, that's Old Testament. Comes from Isaiah, that's all right, good job, high fives. All right, number two, the people walking in darkness. Old Testament, raise your hands. Okay, New Testament, raise your hands. You're all wrong. Yeah, that is from the Old Testament. All right, number three. He got it right. Uh, Number three, Old Testament, New Testament. Now you're all like shy, like, I don't know. I just came to experience God this morning. Old Testament, okay. New Testament? Okay. Old Testament. Still. All right. Number four. This one was kind of easy. Like, who said New Testament? That's okay. We all know that one is mostly because boots and bloods and things burning and fuel for the fire is what we've come to associate with the Old Testament, unfortunately. We've been trying to kind of debunk that a little bit. All right, number five, a child is born to us. Who said Old Testament? Okay, we've got one. Who said New Testament? David is right. David is the only one. Congratulations. All right, and the last one, who said Old Testament? I'm going to go ahead and say, who said New Testament? Okay, who said Old Testament? Wink, wink. Everybody? Okay, good job. Okay. So, what we actually just did this morning was re- we read uh, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, straight through. So, we read seven verses from the Old Testament book of Isaiah straight through. And the reason why those throw us off are because Isaiah is one of the prophets that is the most often quoted in the New Testament. So, if we're being fair, maybe grading on a curve, we could say that those who said that they were Old and New Testaments, you're also right too. Uh, because Isaiah has also been called the fifth gospel. Uh, the gospels, of course, are the first four books that tell the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel because so much of who he is speaks to who the Messiah would be. We'll come back to that term. And so much of what he writes about shows up in the New Testament. Um, and so I wanted to share that just to show how important that connection is between old and new, and how as a community of faith we have to recognize that God has given us uh, not just the last third, but the first two thirds. Uh, so, so kudos to those of you, but the, some of those were kind of tricky, weren't they? You did good. Thanks for playing along. Uh, there's prizes in the back. There's oranges and coffee. You're welcome to those. Yeah. Um, but it can be a struggle for us with the Old Testament because it does include those stories like great floods and bushes that catch on fire. We try to understand how, how two million plus people could cross dry ground that the Lord had parted the waters and came through. And so while those are a lot of fun for kids, it can be a struggle for us as adults when we start to look at those same stories again. And of course, on the other side too, there's the challenge of reconciling what, what has been portrayed as the God of the Old Testament that unfortunately is often portrayed as a God who is angry and vengeful and wrathful. Uh, And like one of those verses there, we tend to think about uh, uh, boots and blood and things that are are, are focused on war. 
And so we have oftentimes looked at the Old Testament and found an angry God who seemed to be exacting vengeance on humanity and seemed so different than the Jesus of the New Testament that we know. So in this last uh, set of this series this morning, I hope to help show the bridge that takes us from old to new and how both of these testaments matter this morning. Uh, Of course, the challenge that we've had is, is we've just really scratched the surface in these last four weeks. One of the hard parts I've had with the sermon series is trying to find one story or passage to look at. There is just so much there. It is such a rich passage, of, a group of scriptures. Um, after all, it's the scriptures that the Hebrew people lived their life around. It's the ones that Jesus grew up with and knew and learned to recite and spoke to who he was in his mission. And they were the same ones that the early church clung to in the months and the years just after the resurrection of Jesus. So we found that the Old Testament can best be understood by God's covenant with humanity. Uh, that's the word that I offer to us is this idea of covenant. Uh, and a covenant is a relationship, a connection between two people where each side makes agreements that they will uphold their end of the bargain. Uh, and the Old Testament is a story of God keeping his covenant even when the people that he's in covenant with or in connection with or in contract with decide to turn away and to go their own way. We talked about how God never gave up and always pursued his people because of his great love for them. So this morning, as we begin to make that bridge from the old to the new, I hope that you will see that the the relentless pursuit by God of humanity is the same mission and motive that fuels God sending his son Jesus into the world. And Isaiah 9, the passage that we quizzed ourselves on this morning, is the passage most read on Christmas Eve. Now, most Christmas Eves, we're reading the second chapter of Luke, and we're talking about the story of Jesus and the manger and the animals. Uh, But if there is going to be an Old Testament reading, it always comes from this one, and hopefully you can see why. Because it speaks to us of what we know on this side as the child who'd be born, as the one who'd be given to us. And so we can see clearly, as we did in verse 2, that this begins to speak of Jesus. And again in verse 6, when it says a child is born to us, sorry, I got excited there. A child is born to us, and a son will be given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And I don't have to quiz you all, right? You all know that these verses are talking about Jesus. That's usually the right answer in church. You can just go to Jesus. We know that and we expect that. But for Isaiah, when he wrote this passage, he he didn't necessarily have that concept in mind. What Isaiah was thinking about when he heard this prophecy and when he spoke it to God's people was he was thinking about the Messiah. The Messiah. And there's a lot of things that that could mean. When I hear the word Messiah, I I simply think of a savior figure. Perhaps you do too. Someone who rushes in, who comes in to rescue, who saves us from something. Or from someone. And in those times in the Old Testament, the Messiah was that. The Messiah was the hoped-for Redeemer figure who would emerge and who would begin to right everything that was wrong in the world and in the nation. And so the people of God came to expect the Messiah, and they came to expect that, that he would do a couple of different things. They thought, first off, that he would be the priest of the priests. 
And so then they had a religious order of priests, and the priests led the people, and they saw this Messiah as the one who would show up and who could fully institute worship of God. And so they saw this Messiah as being able to lead them in new and fresh ways in devoted worship of God. But they also saw this person as someone who would bring justice. And there's a phrase in the Old Testament that they would bring justice for orphans and for widows and for the poor. Orphans and widows and poor, and the poor. And this wasn't to say these are the only groups that the Messiah will bring justice for. These were the groups in those times that were the, the least of the last. They were the ones who always ended up at the very bottom, at the very back, always left out. And so they understood that the Messiah would come and take those who'd always been pushed to the back and to the end and made the least and bring them to a place in the front and give them a home and a place of comfort and food. Today, we might translate that to whoever is the least and the last and the most overlooked and the ones that society always pushes to the back and say, that's the one, those are the ones the Messiah comes to rescue. And maybe most importantly for today, they understood that the Messiah was going to show up as a military-type figure, as someone who could, if needed, take up the sword, defeat the enemies of Israel, claim the throne, and rule on God's behalf. So they understood that the Messiah would show up and get rid of everyone else who was trying to oppress God's people, anyone who was ruling over them, and they would finally ascend the throne and take the rightful place as not just the king of Israel, but the king of all God's people. And so when they thought about this term Messiah, they were looking for someone who could lead them as a priest, someone who could bring justice, and someone who could rule. And so when Isaiah writes about Messiah, he writes in a time when God's people were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judea. And I'm going to perhaps lose some of y'all in just a moment, but this is the kind of stuff that I like nerd out over. So like, we will not take the next hour of me just really enjoying this map and timeline, all right? But I at least wanted to put this up there to show a couple of things in a couple of places. Uh, this timeline here starts at the beginning, and it talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talked about them, the patriarchs, a few, a few weeks ago, and their role as some of the first connectors with God, or as they would call them, Yahweh. It goes down here through the enslavement in Egypt, uh, and with Moses, and with Moses calling God's people out and taking them through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. And then it comes down, we talked about David, the other week, and David being the king of kings, we also talked about the things that he got wrong. But at least in David's time, you can see the words up there, the united monarchy. And so this is a celebrated time for the people of God because they don't need to put united on the front because all they know at that point is they are a monarchy that's working well and they have a king. Well, because of decisions made uh, by David and subsequently by his son Solomon and because of uh, other things that began to happen, the monarchy divided and split into two. And so what happens is there become two different kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judea. And if you haven't fallen asleep yet, and I thank you for that, you'll see that one kingdom uh, was conquered in 722, and then these are the kings of the southern kingdom. We're going to talk about Ahaz, the king, and when Isaiah writes, he is writing words from God, specifically for King Ahaz. 
And so while King Ahaz is the one on the throne, God sends Isaiah to be the one who speaks to him about what God expects of him. So for those who really enjoy this and are thrilled by it, I can get you a copy of this map, uh, and we can talk for a couple more hours about that. Uh, But of course, the northern kingdom is defeated in 722, and things are getting pretty dicey at this point for the southern kingdom at the same time too. Because Ahaz, King Ahaz, thought that his best opportunity for success was to align himself with the Assyrian empire that was right next door. We talked a little bit about the Assyrians last week. And so he felt that if he aligned himself with the Assyrians, then things would work out well. And Isaiah shows up on on the scene and says, yeah, that's the wrong choice. And God's message from me to you is not to align with the Assyrians, but King Ahaz to align yourself with God. And essentially the message of the prophets to the kings and to the people is stop aligning yourself with this king or that ruler or this ideology and align yourself with God. We can fast forward a little bit and we're covering uh, maybe a lot of ground this morning uh, as we begin to look into the first century of Bethlehem and to the manger. We think about the long-awaited promise of the Messiah who would come and rescue them. And we realize that that hope is born in the manger with Jesus, that the boy would grow into a man and he would launch his ministry at the age of 30. He would travel around Galilee and around uh, the land and he would proclaim the goodness of God. He would call people to repent and to believe. He would do miracles and he would teach. And very obviously to the people, he would fulfill the prophecies, the things they knew from the Old Testament about what the Messiah would be like and what they would do and how they would act. And so people were getting really excited as Jesus was doing these things in this ministry and and everything was going really well. And they were excited because they finally were living in an era when the Messiah showed up. You know how the story goes, though. Christmas and then a few months later, we're making our way to Easter and we find Jesus is making his way to the cross. And sometimes we wonder, what happened from this being the Messiah to this being someone who only deserved to be crucified and treated as a criminal? Well, of course, as Jesus is making his way to the cross, I can't help but think that people were looking at him walking through the streets and thinking to them, we were so close to getting back to that monarchy We're so close to having the justice that we needed. We're so close to having someone who could come in with a sword if needed and expel these Romans from Jerusalem. And this was supposed to be the person who could climb the throne and take the seat. And finally, we could have what we've always been waiting for. And so for so many, as they saw Jesus on the cross and taking his final breath and then dying and being placed into a tomb that was then sealed shut, they realized that their hope of Messiah went to die in that tomb too. And for all that Jesus purported to be, he just didn't seem to make the cut. Of course, the joy of Easter is that we come back to the tomb three days later and we find that the stone has been rolled away, and that the tomb is empty, and that he is not there, but he is risen. And so all of a sudden, things start to get exciting again, and we find that Christ the Messiah is who he says he is and that he has risen from the dead and that 
he will continue to fulfill the prophecies that are spoken of him. And in fact, it sends a lot of the disciples back to their scriptures to see what they couldn't see before, which was everything that happened to Jesus had been foretold in one way or another. And so they experience new aha moments as they read the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And and what I hope this morning is to give you so much more than just a history lesson of the faith and of church history. While that might be exciting in itself, what our scripture tells us today is that God has spoken in times past through the prophets. That Isaiah's words aren't important just because they speak to us today or spoke at the time of Jesus' birth. But Isaiah's words mattered because they gave hope to the people of those days and those times. Isaiah, as he spoke his words, even with some of the ones that were harsh and critical, it gave the people who, as we saw earlier, were living in a pitch-dark land a sense of dawning light. That maybe everything isn't as dark as it seems. And so Isaiah's words mattered then, and they mattered at the time of Jesus' birth, and they matter for us today. Because Isaiah 6 reminds us that God still speaks to us today. And maybe you would say of yourself, it's hard for me to hear God's voice. I'm not exactly sure how to know if God is speaking to me and when he is and what he might be saying. Maybe you need to hear from God about something, and that can be a challenge to do. My experience has always been that when I'm stuck or when I'm in a place where I'm not sure what to do, I need guidance, I need assistance, I can turn to the scriptures and I can find God speaking to me even still today. The Old Testament and the New Testament are God's gift to the church and to the community of faith because it has words that encourage us, words that challenge us and stretch us and call us beyond the ways that we are. Sometimes it speaks to us as King Ahaz and says, stop aligning yourself with this group or with this idea or with this way of living and align yourself with God. And when we open the scriptures, Isaiah 9 reminds me of who God is and where he is, and I hope it does the same for you today. It could be that things in your life feel out of whack right now. That's the technical term. It might be that you feel so overwhelmed in what you're going through that it's hard to know what to do next. And so this morning, I'd like to offer you that the Messiah, Jesus, is with you as a wonderful counselor to lead and to guide and to listen. Or perhaps you feel like you're at the base of a mountain that perhaps seems insurmountable. Perhaps there is a mission or a call that that you are facing or challenged with. And you are looking up at this and you may be excited, you may be nervous about it. But I want to encourage you this morning to know the power of Jesus as our mighty God who is with us. Who is able to empower you, not with your own strength or not with some kind of Marvel superhero type strength, but with the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside each one of us to do the work of God in the world. Maybe you've moved to this area recently and you're somewhat new and you're facing the challenge of finding a community of people and finding friends and making connections. And so I want to encourage you this morning to lean on Jesus as our eternal Father. 
The one who knows what we need before we ask. The one who delights in bringing good things to our lives. The one who surrounds us, perhaps when our family isn't nearby or close. The one who surrounds us with the family of faith. And so this morning, I encourage you to lean into God as our eternal Father. The one that rises to the top for me today, in a lot of days, is the Prince of Peace. Life moves fast. Things around me always are seeming to move fast. And and for me, it seems like there's not enough time to finish one task before the next task is already upon me and demanding to be completed which then means the next task has shown up and demands to be completed. And I feel like this crosses all the different places that we find ourselves in this morning. My hunch is that all of us are experiencing a hurriedness of life, perhaps the pressure of not being able to get it all done. I want us to know that Jesus is with us too. That he is here as the Prince of Peace to rush in and to bring peace from the chaos that we have in our own lives, the chaos that we make at times, and the chaos that is simply all around us in this world. And of course, peace is simply more than just the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict is great. And if you and I could spend time reducing conflict, then we would be in a better place. But peace is simply more than removing that. Peace is God present with us no matter what we're experiencing or going through, to tell us that no matter what, I am with you. And perhaps the situation or the storm still swirls around us or things are still just as chaotic, but we sense that Christ is with us and that we are with Christ. And it's hard to explain in words other than to simply say, knowing the peace of Christ in those places can begin to change the entire situation in our lives even if everything around us is still moving just as fast. So I pray this morning that we would experience a deep and abiding assurance that God is with us, that He is really here now, present with us. And that we can know that peace as we align our lives each day with Jesus. We didn't get much into the life of King Ahaz, and we could have. But I think it's enough to know that Ahaz felt like his success depending on aligning with something else or someone else. And the call for him was to align his life with God. And for all of us, we face choices each day to align our life and our priorities and our way of understanding this world with all kinds of different things and peoples and ideas. And when Jesus comes into our presence, he calls us, to himself. In the New Testament, it'd be phrased as to abide and to make our home with him. And so this morning, I'd like to invite us to find a way to center ourselves in Christ, to give up being robbed of the knowledge that we are perhaps excluded or set aside. Because I realize that for many of us, I want us to know that we are part of a family, that we can experience God's presence, that we can hear God's guidance. And as we align our lives with God today, here and now, we can experience the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting, the eternal father, and the prince of peace. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. 
If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.